It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Oh, come on. I love that at the end. It's actually my favorite thing. It's a good one. It's a good one here, folks. The cause in the building. You heard it. So you guys know what that means. The eagle calling can only mean. It's time. For American Loser. There you go. We got a damn good one here for you. My name is KP Burke. I am a stand-up comic from the great state of New Jersey. Sometimes I go to New York, though, because that's that's where you get paid more money to do it. Uh, Or sometimes not at all. Anyway, with me, as always, is my my co-host, the guy (laughs) I can't do the show without, the man who gives the integrity to this project. Oh, my man. Delph of a dad. Now, now we are in trouble if that's integrity. Lawrence Patrick Burke, say hello to the hey, people. Hey, how we doing, everybody? Great day today. So far, so good, man. So far, so good. Here we are. It is. Um, this is your final free episode for the month of September. Next month, we ask that you throw us a couple of bucks if you enjoy what we do over here. We got to pay Patreon exclusive. Yeah, for as little as three dollars a month. Three dollars a month, you can get a bonus episodes. So we give you three for free, no matter what. If you boil it down, you're actually getting it's less than a dollar an episode, really. At the end of the day, yeah, really. So you want to donate a little more? You know, throw a little more at us. We will give you five. If you send me five dollars, I will send you patches and shit like that that we have. We have to just we have to pick up <laughs> on that go. a little bit, but. Yeah. We have to pay for one particular thing, Dad, because um, you and I could have conversations about history. We could just call these people individually on the phone That's and right. tell them stories. We could stay home and do it. We could, but we need microphones <laughs> run. Right. We need uh, visual elements. So who are you going to call? None other than. <laughs> there it is. da na 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 Kahuna Vision. Kahuna there Vision. It there it is. <laughs> What's up, people? The magic. The esteemed big kahuna back in the building. How are you, pal? I'm good, man. Uh... I just came back from a trip from California. It was great. It was a fun time. I come back with battle scars, though. Uh, I'm battle a... scars and also met some celebrities. As I, I did. Well, uh, I met Diplo, which is really cool. And, <laughs> now, uh, in, a, in 10 words or less, explain what a Diplo is to my father. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, a recording artist. Uh, a musician. Okay. There yes. you go. There you go. There you go. Okay. Diplo's a good one on that, man. So Kahuna went out all west. This, all this new jargon here. You, you buy coastal and this is what happened, right? Mm. But, you know, honestly, you know what I come bearing the realization? I come bearing the realization that Los Angeles just might not be for the Kahuna. I I do in, I do enjoy the city, but I don't know about living there. I do enjoy the state of California. And I did enjoy Los Angeles for the brief time I was there, but living there... I don't know. He's I don't think Jersey it's for me. Boy. I am a Jersey boy. And yes. I think, uh, I, think I am stuck here. Yep. He, he was sitting there because for a while you guys didn't know Kahuna was telling us he was probably going to leave the show because he was going out to California. And then Kahuna sat there and he said, you know, really, I feel like if I wait six more months, Kevin Smith might open up a movie theater here. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it worked out, man. California's coming to Jersey. That's it, right. It's true, though, man. I mean, film is really opening up here in a big, bad way. So it's like... Returning I, here. You know about this show. I know. We, we, we explained a bu- You knew a bunch of that stuff, too, yeah, man. Tommy Edison started it, though. Know. Oh, yeah. No, there was a Hoboken used to be you know, the center of everything, too. It's a, it's a wild, fun time. Fort Lee. And by the way, I mean, uh, also Leonardo, New Jersey, happened to be where they filmed the original Clerks, which now has a third movie, which 
someone's got a little starring role in it. <laughs> you know? Starring but, is being very generous. And of course, we're also here at a shared universe podcast studio. Ming's taking great care of us, man. We always appreciate what he does for us. We like to tease him on the show too, but he is also one of the stars of Clerks 3. Um, and by the way, we got a nice little compliment from uh, one of the, I'm not going to say legitimate stars, but a speaking role star right. of Clerks 3. A few more lines yeah. of dialogue. Yeah, Trevor Furman uh, reached out to us. That's uh, Elias from Clerks 2 and 3. Uh, really nice guy, very fun guy. Uh, we met him at uh, the Chris Covert show back in uh, Red Bank when they were still f uh, filming Clerks 3. And he gave me his email and told me to email my special when it was done. And when the director, the esteemed Christian Cordez, whoever the fuck that is. Yeah, um, who the fuck is that? <laughs> when he finally uh, um, sent me the final copy, we went ahead and emailed Trevor, who uh, got back to me almost immediately and said, dude, special was great. And, uh, you know, seems like definitely one of those good guys. So we're uh, we're making good products here. All right, Kahuna. We're making good products yeah, here you don't have in to New Jersey. Drive across the country for that. Yeah, Stay no. here, bub. Because I almost moved to. I was thinking about it for a hot second. Austin, Texas. It came I into will, my head. I will say though, Nashville's a strong contender though. <laughs> I really enjoyed that city. Well, well Austin, Texas kind of leads us into today. It episode. sure does. <laughs> now, Austin, Texas is a little different than El Paso, Texas, but uh, just a bit. Here's a good one for you here, uh, Cahoons. Don't mess with Texas. In 1995, in El Paso, Texas, two parties engaged one another in a confrontation at an old cemetery. Wait a minute. What was the what was the year? 1995. 1995. That's correct. Clerks is already out. Mallrats is probably out too. And a young Kahuna was just born. <laughs> no. Baby Kahuns. And these two parties are walking towards one another in El Paso, Texas, about to have a stare down confrontation at an old cemetery. He's right. Now, if that sounds like a good opening to a Western cowboy flick, you are right. However, this was not a group of gunfighters ready to fight. This was a group ready to fight over the body of a gunfighter. What? Yes. Yeah. So the gunfighter's remains were buried in El Paso for over a century since his murder. One party sought to disinturn the body and rebury it in Nixon, Texas. They argued that the, the body of the gunfighter, the deceased gunfighter, mind you, deserved to be buried well, I hope in he his was hometown. He exactly. was buried. I don't know why I stumbled over that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they wanted to rebury him in his hometown and that they were saying that this party that wanted to pretty much dig up the body and bring it to uh, this other part of Texas known as Nixon, Texas, that they were going to be acting on behalf of the gunfighter's surviving great-grandchildren. It's what the family wants. That's right. The other party, local to El Paso, said, you are not disinterring and removing this body. It stays here in El Paso. It's part of our history, blah, blah, blah. Both parties stared one another down and prepared to draw up legal documents solidifying oh the claim. <laughs> but, but then both groups claimed that the other was merely acting out of interest in the idea that tourism that would be surrounding this burial site that had already happened and would continue to do so. Graves are big business, KP. It That's is. It. It's very true. You ever go down to St. Augustine, Florida, you will see one of the oldest cemeteries in the entire United States, and it's still pretty cool. Who else is going to cater to the Goths, man? Come on. The Goths. <laughs> well, this body the now. Tourism. The Goth tourism <laughs> thing. Yeah. We like to write poetry. Uh, the body will wind up remaining in El Paso, Texas. The body in question belongs to one of the wildest men in the American West. He's part scoundrel, part rebel adventurer, and all loser. Welcome, folks, to the story of John Wesley Harden. So, J.W. Harden. Now, off the top of your head, had you heard of this guy beforehand, Dad? I've, I've heard the name, but really didn't have any kind of details into his background. But, you know, he's always listed as one of the badasses of the Old West. So, 
Yeah, I've heard the name, but that's his reputation is pretty wild. You know, did he kill forty men? Did he kill fifty? Well, if you ever wanted to know how much of a cold-blooded killer he was, you could have just asked him. (laughs) Yeah, he'd be glad to tell you. He loved to talk about himself. (laughs) And by the way, Kahuna, this guy falls into the category of there's so many things about him that are 100% true, and then there's so many things that are 100% bullshit. And you're like, why is he bullshitting when the true stuff is wilder than the stuff he's making up? And he's kind of so out of this world here, man. He loves to talk about himself, and all the stuff that you can't prove is kind of out of this world. There, I'll tell you what, we're going to get right into it. There are confirmed John Wesley Harden killings. So this guy absolutely was a killer out in the Old West. Yeah, the witnesses in, in the whole nine. That, uh, yeah, we've got uh, viable uh, witnesses to uh, substantiate his claims. There's there's a few confirmed kills. Yeah. And he likes to spin a couple of yarns here and there, maybe trying to justify one of them or maybe coming up with another one where he he's kind of got um, – I know – I won't say who, but um, – uh, my father knows there, there's members of our family that uh, every now you always hear about like, oh, yeah, and I, I kicked the shit out of this guy. He got right back in his car and left. <laughs> um, but there, those are confirmed stories from John Wesley Harden. Um, but if you asked him, the total amount, according to some claims, is that he killed as many as 50 men. But if you ask John Wesley Harden, well, they all deserved it. <laughs> Exact quote. He didn't ever kill a single man that ever didn't deserve it, even the guy that he shot for snoring. He deserved to die. I want to repeat that. Even the guy he shot (laughs) for snoring. So, hard to believe that all of this comes from the literal son of a preacher man. That's it. Uh, He had good family values uh, in his upbringing. And he was a smart guy, too. This is not a, a back um, – uh, this isn't a, what we would call a piney in New Jersey. Yeah, he's not this, a bumpkin. Yeah, this is not a guy who's, uh, you know, looking for, uh, uh, you know, a toothosis. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I only need a toothbrush. Exactly. <laughs> but John Wesley Harden will be born, like you said, Dad, in 1853 in Texas. His father is a prominent Methodist preacher in Texas, and his mother was, as described by John himself, highly cultured. So these are not the backwoods country bumpkin simpleton to- like folks here. Uh, Harden would actually be raised in the church where he would also receive his education. The Hardens were from a prominent southern family with relatives in positions of influence in places like North Carolina. Therefore, they considered themselves southerners. Now, keep in mind, this is Texas. You're talking Civil War era over here. Texas kind of a disputed territory. Maybe it's its own republic. Maybe some people haven't really bought in the idea of a federal government yet. Maybe there's the idea that they're joining up with this Confederacy thing that's happening. So their allegiances are going to be more towards uh, the East Coast, specifically out of North Carolina, where a lot of the Hardin family was, again, holding positions of influence. Yeah, I mean, elected officials, um, representatives. Exactly. Yep. Now, again, that's why they're going to consider themselves more Southerners than Texans, which will explain why um, at age nine, John Wesley Harden will attempt to run away to join the Confederacy. I thought I thought you were going to say that he got his first confirmed kill. Uh, not not, not well, long after. <laughs> oh, you got to be kidding! He me. is only nine, but give him time. Give him a year ago, year or so. No, but uh, he was born in 1853, so we're, we're pre-Civil War. But now, at the tender age of uh, nine, he wants to uh, join up with the Confederates and and fight for the for Dixie. Now, it does remind me of something, too, because I believe at age nine, I also attempted to run away, and my plan was to defeat Mexico at the Alamo. I, I was Is that pretty... when we packed your lunch with a rope at? Uh, well, I, I had that. I had my little musket that we got from Treasure Island at Disney <laughs> yeah. World, um, you know. <laughs> 
But uh, now here's what's interesting. John is going to, like I said, he's going to attempt to run away at age nine to join the Confederacy. And it's interesting because a lot of people would be terrified of that. When I was a nine-year-old kid, I think I probably thought I was a badass some days, and then I fell off a swing too hard and realized not not quite the case yet. Yeah. There you go. Um, but well, violence is not going to be something that this guy ever shies away from. Is that fair to say, Dad? Yeah, I think he was not afraid of uh, mixing it up with folks, for sure. Well, funny, it's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> now, in 1867, the Civil War is going on at this point, if I'm doing my numbers right. No, I, no? it's 18- over. Sixty now, okay. Well, depending on who you're talking to, Larry Burke, well, yeah. it's still very much going on today. You mean the War of Northern Aggression? <laughs> it depends on who you ask. <laughs> it sure does, man. It sure does. There's a lot of people out there who think they're in the Civil War right now against. Uh, we're part of the resistance. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, we're not a political show, though. We're a history show with a comedy problem. <laughs> the man shits taglines. You wonder why we keep him around? Yo, that was golden. That, that, was, I, that was actually great. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Between that and my mother supplying curtains for this show. There you go. I really don't do much around here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> but John Wesley Harden is an interesting guy. And uh, 1867, during a confrontation with a fellow student in which the two boys dispute will wind up in a knife fight. A knife fight. Okay, John Wesley Harden will nearly kill his opponent and wind up getting expelled from the school his father taught at. So, Yeah, his father was very much involved in the school that he attended. And he had a bunch of uh, brothers and sisters as well. So the whole Harden family was uh, getting their book learning, getting their schooling at, the, at this institution of higher knowledge. And a, uh, a religious aspect, too. So you would think that that yep. would be uh, love thy neighbor. And Kahuna, I will ask you to bring up uh, what we're going to refer to as nightmare fuel. Here we go. For a picture of young John Wesley Harden. Yeah, that's a handsome lad. Ladies, we know you love the bad boys. All right. Look at him. <laughs> Look at that jawline. He's got face only a mother you. could love. He's got uh, good hair on him. You know what I mean? It's all in the eyes. Absolutely. This is a ha- That's a man that will put a dead animal in front of your house to let you know that he's serious about you. He loves okay? you. So he, he brings <laughs> he brings trophies to your doorstep. He sure does. Um, now, again, he gets kicked out of school over here. His dreams of fighting in the Civil War don't come true. But after one fateful wrestling match, his entire life would be a bit of a one man war. This will bring us up to November of 1868. And John's going to challenge his uncle's former slave to a wrestling match. He would win the match, but claims that shortly thereafter, the former slave attacked him. Now, here, yeah, his, gonna... his opponent in the wrestling match came yes. back for a little vengeance. Yeah, you win the wrestling match, but I'm going to he was chasing him with a stick on horseback, I believe. You whooped him, but that was in wrestling. Exactly. Now we're going to go at it with with uh, sticks it's, and gums and clubs. It's and like shit. Apollo Creed coming back for uh, I'm ready for round two. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's pretty interesting here. Now, we're going to say a phrase that is going to be recurring throughout the show. And Dad, I think you're ready for it. We're, gonna, we're ready. We'll do some air quotes. Ready? Ready? <laughs> okay. According to Harden. It's right. That's right. So, and we've we've had quite a few losers through the various episodes. That uh, the only intel we have on them is what they reported themselves in their own autobiography or whatever. So. Oh yeah, Calamity Jane. Yeah. <laughs> and I was the prom queen too. I don't know if you it's, knew. Right. Really. Um, but, of course, you are right. There's a lot of people that make up their own bullshit here. Unfortunately, the most tragic one is a guy whose uh, reputation became bullshit because his uh, mortal enemy, the man who hated him the most, got to write his uh, obituary form. We will not say the name of that person. Nope. Those are devotees. We'll know. 
It's or a cousin the crows Kelly will episode. come get you. That's right. <laughs> Never more. Never more. <laughs> Never more. Sorry. Never now, mind. He would win the match, like we said here, but now he's going to get attacked afterwards, according to Harden. And John Wesley Harden will fire five shots at his would-be attacker. And uh, now the attacker, uh, unfortunately, doesn't die right away. He dies about three days later. And according to Harden, again, we're get ready to be sick of that line here. According to Harden, um, he actually is going to reach out and try to get help, medical aid for the guy. And the poor guy winds up dying of his wounds about three days later. So, yeah, I mean, he put five shots into him. The least he could do was so exactly. try to get medical help for yeah. him. <laughs> but John has now finally killed somebody. And he would be forced to go into hiding on account of advice from his father. Uh, the fear being that Harden wouldn't get a fair trial. Consider this kind of like a uh, 1800s version of a hate crime, if you will, that they were saying that, you know, it's going to look like uh, that this boy killed this former slave, blah, 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 that he had a gun and the slave did a former slave. I got to keep saying that. This is a freed man, technically. Right. Um, it's 1868. Yeah. So the Civil War is over at this point. But uh, we're allegedly we're in, Yeah. We're, <laughs> some some feel that the Civil War is over. Um, but um, we're in the midst of Reconstruction, which is going to play a role in a little bit who with uh, the life of Mr. Uh, Harden. Well, I've, uh, I've heard it said uh, pretty often is that if you accept, uh, and this is always an interesting way of looking at history, if you accept that the, the true people, when you read history, especially when I did as a kid, you would read about a war, then you would skip to the next war, then you would skip to the next war. <laughs> right. And you would skip over Reconstruction because you're like, ah, oh, it's just between wars. When you really look at it, that is probably the most important part of our entire country's history. There's a huge shift, a huge shift in during Reconstruction. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And it barely gets mentioned. That's usually like it's coming up on uh, your finals for your fall semester. So they're like, oh, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but it's really, it's not going to be on the final, guys. Don't worry. Just just do that. Go have Thanksgiving with your families. We come back. You know, it's the spring. <laughs> we'll start with World War One. All right. There you go. When so. we come back, we'll do the Spanish-American War. <laughs> <laughs> so now John Wesley Harden will begin his life outside the law. He will remain outside the law for almost the rest of his entire life. There's a couple instances towards the end over there that get pretty interesting. But after a few days of hiding, three Union officers approached his hideout with the intent of chasing down John Wesley Harden. Harden instead would face down his would-be captors and by his own words, and in other words, That's right. according Good. to Harden, Another quote. <laughs> waylaid them with double-barrel shotgun blasts and his cap revolver. Just like that, John Wesley Harden was now on the run for not one, not two, nor three. Four. Four Got killings. Four. <laughs> four killings. And his story of is people spreading. who deserved it. That's right. Uh, Let's not forget. Yeah. A, a allegedly deserved according, it. Yeah, according yeah. to Harden, deserved <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. These three so. Union soldiers were chasing after him because he was a wanted man. But so they deserved, they needed killing. Now, depending on what stories you tell and what vantage point you take, you can make this guy a true bastard. Or you can make him kind of a hero. And that's what's that's the problem with him. This is a conflicted legacy over here because there's going to be certain things. We're going to pull it out at the end here, Dad. I think you already know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, th there's a certain I, we mentioned it in the episode, too, in the notes. I'm sure you saw it. Um, one of the great quotes of all time in, in all movies ever. Um, but uh, and, and from possibly my favorite movie ever. While a fugitive from justice. Harden would pull off some wild stuff, okay? And his story's starting to spread, and there's even support among the locals of Texas who didn't love their new union overlords from this federal government headed up by this Andrew Johnson fella, and uh, nor did they really like... I thought this was interesting and worth noting. I don't know if you found anything on this, Dad, but um, there was a large percentage 
yep. of the state police in Texas were actually African-American. Yeah. And I'll get into that a little bit later with uh, Mr. Harden, too. But, uh, yeah, we're again. Well, why can't we talk about it now? Well, <laughs> I think it fits the story better a little bit. <laughs> we, can, we can jump into that right now. But um, nah, nah, no, I mean, the Civil War is over. Um, and the uh, defeated Confederates are now returning back to Texas. Uh, Texas was never known for being a, a peaceful place to start with. I mean, it was it was won by various wars, either wars with the Comanches, with the with the Mexicans, or whatever. But anyhow, the, these returning Confederates are now coming back to Texas. Um, their homes have been left. Uh, unattended to, if you will, for the last four or five years of the war kind of a thing. So things are things are just in the shambles about where is the property lines, who owns what. I mean, and the whole economy is in in the in the shitter for sure. And then um, along comes the end of the Civil War. And then on uh, June 19th, 1865, uh, General Gordon Granger arrives in Galveston, Texas with a number of Union soldiers, because now we're in Reconstruction. The government, if you will, is a military government. The whole South is under uh, federal troop um, rule, if you will. And he comes ashore in Galveston, Texas, and declares that, you know, um, Mr. Lincoln, with the Emancipation Proclamation, freed all the slaves. Um, Texas really didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite get the memo on that, nor willing to accept that memo. Did he? Nah, Did so, he? Are you sure? Yeah. Can I, I uh, can I tell you guys one of my favorite jokes I've ever heard? And and the comedian I won't say the comedian's name because I want to give the bit away. But essentially, what he alludes to is he goes because uh, he was from Texas. Uh, it was also a black fella, and he uh, it's a great uh, great quote. But it was he goes yeah celebrating uh, Juneteenth as you're about to talk about yeah. Dad is yeah. uh, he goes Juneteenth. Um, you know, because uh, the, the news arrived on colored people time. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I, he, he said, like, he didn't want to. Oh, God. Oh, that's a good one. Anybody who wants to DM me, I, I, I'll tell you what comic it was. He, he's great. I still think he, I am a big fan of his to this day, but he was oh, one of my, my Jacksonville God. guys, but he was from Houston originally. So um, anyway, continue on Juneteenth, good sir, which I also had a joke about. Yeah, so Juneteenth, uh, June 19th, 1865 is when um, the slaves of, of Texas, if you will, finally get word that, you know, they, they've been freed. And it's now being forced, their freedom is being forced upon them by federal troops. Um, so the, the Texas uh, Confederates, if you will, are now being forced into that, uh, into that issue. And who's doing a lot of the enforcing is is black colored troops from uh, from um, Granger's uh, unit that is both black and white troops that are now enforcing the rules. So, um, you know, these various slave owners are now taking orders from the same black troops as many former slaves within these black troops and stuff. So it's a it's a very volatile uh, situation here with. Uh, there is no law. Um, things are just going wild. And it's, the, the, you know, the, the only rule is the rule of the gun, if you will, that these various uh, groups are being put together to uh, try to enforce their own way of law, if you will. But uh, it's sad that you yeah. know exactly what groups we're talking yeah. about. Too. Yeah. We're, so, we're uh, to Reconstruction that. has some of the, the darkest chapters in American history ever, yep. ever. <laughs> 
Um, so anytime somebody's complaining about like how things are just crazy nowadays, I'm like, yeah, come on, uh, we're, we're doing pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Compare we're yourself. We're doing to, all right. Yeah. Compared to what we've been through already. Put yourself into construction era and then you're just like, okay, so I don't have to worry about, um, you know, there's no raids coming through my house every couple of minutes. Right. Um, churches aren't being burnt with people inside of them. But um, that is true. And that's got to be a wild juxtaposition uh, just of everything going on out there, too. Because, you're again, anytime you try to bring law to Texas, it doesn't go well. All right. Just not something that they're into. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to say on that? No, I'll, I'll get back to that in, in a little bit. But, Beautiful. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going with uh, – John Wesley here. Well, John Wesley is in Texas, of course, where there is just nothing but chaos and, you know, sometimes it's pretty great chaos. But while a fugitive from justice, uh, sometimes true, sometimes just the blusterings of a madman, uh, these stunts and instances include but are not limited to. These are some of the things he got up to during his adventures, all right? These are like uh, if you were making a movie kahuna, these would be the things in like the montage of him out on the, you know, living out on the, the road just being an outlaw. Yeah. 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 Um, They'll be the shooting a man's eye out of his own head <laughs> in order to win a bottle of whiskey. Um, there will be killing many Union shoulders. Uh, I can confirm there's a better way to go about it. You don't have to shoot a guy's eye out. But I do bet that the other way did look 100% cool. Set a button in your eye, just lead in your eye. <laughs> he also kills uh, several Union soldiers that will be sent after him. Um, he'll also kill and murder a man at a circus during a disagreement they had. You know, I mean, it's uh, hey, he didn't actually make that quarter disappear. Exactly. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Fucking carnies. Yeah, Pull he, your attention to the center ring. Hey, did you steal my peanuts? No, the elephant took them. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, he also, during this time, dad. <laughs> yeah. Taught school. What? Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. This you dude know, was a teacher? Yeah. Well, you know, keep in mind, he grew up in an educated family. He was an educated man. You know, his father was a teacher. His mother was highly cultured. So John Wesley Harden at night is shooting people's eyes out for bottles of whiskey, getting into knife fights at circuses. And then by day, teaches school. You know, like when they make a big thing about like they find a teacher's Instagram and she's got like sexy photos of her or something like that. Yeah, mind your own business, Vision. What, what a welcome change that is compared to, I'm pretty sure I saw Mr. Hart. <laughs> I think Mr. Hart. I heard a man's eye out last night. Yeah. Uh, when I first read that, too, my thought was like, yeah, there's some proponents today that are saying, well, maybe we should arm the teachers to prevent a lot of these <laughs> school shootings. So, yeah, that'd be uh, cool. Have a guy like John Wesley Harden uh, packing to uh, protect your to protect your kids. Just say, we tried it once. It didn't work out. Um, <laughs> and here's oh my, my favorite. God. This one's my favorite story here. Um, you know, if, if you just picture a little kid coming <laughs> home from school. Yeah, how was school day? Well, it was good. I think I saw Mr. Harden. He was escorting a hooker home uh, to her, her house. And then uh, her pimp showed up and demanded uh, that, you know, Mr. Harden pay him money for the hooker. And so Mr. Harden threw the money on the ground and then when the, the pimp went to grab the money, uh, Mr. Harden shot the man and said, I stopped him from robbing me. One hundred percent true. Yeah. And that one, I think that particular story was confirmed by uh, it was. eyewitnesses. Yeah. That, that, that wasn't a Harden, uh, you know, fairy tale kind of a thing. That was actually a, a true incident in the life of Mr. John Wesley Harden. Now, there's also a story, because you're saying true incident. This is the one we're going to have to figure out um, where where you want to draw the line and what you want to believe. But we do adhere to, on this show, the uh, Liberty Valance principle, which means uh, uh, when in doubt, print the legend. So <laughs> right. 
What seems to be verified is that John Wesley Harden was playing poker against a man named Bradley, last name Bradley, in 1870. And Harden was winning every hand to the point where this fellow named Bradley threatened him. Said, I believe he said he was going to cut his liver out uh, in front of him. Uh, now, the unarmed John Wesley Harden will leave the game, but according to Harden... Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about a sore loser. Yeah, according to Harden, later Bradley comes after him. Always seems to work out as self-defense for Harden, but uh, <laughs> yeah. this one has witnesses, mind you. And they all confirm the following things. Harden returned fire. Okay, so a shot was fired at him first, and Harden returned fire with both of his pistols. He fired one shot from both pistol, uh, pistols. rather. One shot will hit Bradley in the head. The other will hit Bradley squarely in the chest. Uh, that's that's a double tap right there. That That's enough to kill a zombie. All right? That's a... <laughs> Right? Yeah, a yeah. shot and a, and a hard shot. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's how you make sure. He went you went walking away. No, no, no chance on that one. If you do, that's a bigger problem. <laughs> well, uh, now, both shots here. So they also noted, by the way, that John Wesley Harden was exceptionally fast on the draw. And the reason being is because he practiced every single day because he realized that was going to be a thing that was going to keep him alive longer, was being fast on the draw. And he also did something kind of unique for his time here. He had his holsters sewn into his vest so he could be the first one to he'd actually uh, this is one of the the cool iconic things here how many times have you seen this in a movie kahuna where uh or a video game or anything like that where somebody just draws out both pistols like that yeah from the side yep they they, they cross their arms to then pull both guns out it's like almost a, a cliche at this point yeah <laughs> i think this is one of the early documented cases of it happening is, so he's the cliche starter. He's uh, he's got some stuff to him. There's some panache to his style, which is why we're going to pick up later on that it becomes a lot of things about his life um, get uh, uh, borrowed for other characters from movie history. I was yeah. about to say he's got this weird Judge Dread thing going on here, where he's like, "All right, you did it. You're guilty in my book." But like he said, he only kills people who he thinks deserve. He's it. really not Judge Dread. He's Lawyer Dread, where he goes, "Oh, that's clearly self-defense, isn't it?" I, I, you guys saw it right here. Right, right. <laughs> Better call. Saul. I'd love to see that difference in the comic book. I'd love to see Judge Dread and <laughs> Lawyer Dread. <laughs> Well, now, after the shooting of Bradley, here's what we can't confirm. Hardin claims that one of the, uh, I'm sorry, that, that uh, of the 15-man posse, that's 15 people sent after John Wesley Hardin, 15-man posse sent after him, he captures and disarms two of them. Hardin sent the disarmed men on their way back to join up with the posse. With the and, rest of the posse, yeah, goes, yeah. You guys go join up with the rest of them. You guys wait for me to come back through there, you hear? Like, we'll settle this again. Like, all right, good good fight, guys. We'll do this again in a couple of weeks. See you around. You know, nice try. I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, but Harden is a hard man to capture. Until 1871, Dad, uh, when he gets arrested for the murder of the Waco City Marshal. Waco, Texas. Definitely. Now, I just want to put a little timeline on this. He had his first wrestling match in 1868. Years. So now he's all this in three years. Now he's the, the hardened guy uh, in 1871. So uh, one wrestling match, and now and then he starts <laughs> yeah. waylaying Union soldiers. And how, many, how many people later? Oh my God! Good point. Good point on that one. Um, now it's interesting too here because this Waco City Marshal that is murdered um, is the reason why John Wesley Harden is now finally behind bars. But it's for a crime that he claims he didn't commit, which is ironic on several levels. 
Uh, number one, he possibly didn't actually kill the marshal and was just the assumed suspect due to his penchant for violence and his braggadocious ways. He liked to talk, oh, yeah, I gotta tell you about the marshal I killed over in Waco. Oh, that was you? You're under arrest. Oh, come on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm. I was only fooling. Yeah. Or <laughs> did he kill the marshal and now just sees how deep a shit he's in? Oh, that wasn't me. No, you guys got the wrong guy, I swear. <laughs> so Hardin is going to be transferred to Waco, Waco, Texas, very important place in American history. Uh, Waco, Texas is going to be where he's going to wind up being transferred to face trial and possibly the gallows. And much like other Western legends and also last week's loser, pirate Joshua Huddy, Harden. Jersey's own Joshua. Jer <laughs> I won't go into too many details. We, we'll stay on track. I'm doing good here. <laughs> um, Harden is, yet again, like all those other guys we mentioned before, able to escape. He's able to do so because while he's being held in the regular jail, one of the other uh, people in the cell with him uh, was able to get their hands on a pistol that they then sold to John Wesley Harden. So now he's hiding this pistol on him before his prisoner transfer. He's hiding it somewhere on his persons. Okay. Mm. Now I have no clue where that might be, Kahuna. <laughs> yeah, really. But I picture. Gee, I wonder where. <laughs> wink, wink. I wonder if uh, Christopher Walken had to come in and give the pistol to somebody years later. <laughs> this gold revolver. It yeah. was your father's. The term packing has a whole new connotation. <laughs> oh no. But. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was good. Now, his captors are, by the way, less than cordial, too, here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and again, here comes that re the recurring phase. According to Hardin, they were beating him regularly and forced him to ride his horse without a saddle, which is going to be very uncomfortable, uh, especially if you have a gun hidden up your ass like he might have. Oh, my so, God. Who knows where it was hidden, but. Yeah, up his ass. Hidden in his on his he was, It was hidden. Okay. Even it's in your. Exactly. Yeah. So this was not a concealed carry. This was wherever the gun was going to lay. <laughs> you got to remember, too, I mean, the 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 supposed law enforcement officials aren't exactly by today's standard the same thing. It's just whoever was willing to, to carry a gun and go out after these guys, whether it's as the uh, the great uncle Paulie said, it was bastards hunting bastards. That's it. <laughs> so, um, but uh they would, uh, they, again, these people who did capture John Wesley Harden, they're beating him up a little bit. He's this young man, okay? He's a, he's a good-looking boy like we just saw in that picture over there. Um, and it's it's becoming, uh, how do I say this? It's becoming a, a recurring motif of him that he's also displaying a, a decent amount of brains here. Um, he decides he's going to fake crying during one of the beatings. He's crying now, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, this is on his way to Waco to face exactly. trial. Oh, God. And keep in mind, he's a young man here. So for you to finally break a kid, I mean, there were a lot of kids in boot camp that broke down and cried. I mean, just do what I did. Just cry like a man under your pillow at night while you read letters. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, Harden fakes crying here. And now the one law enforcement agent, if you will, he's out getting, uh, I believe he's collecting uh, stuff for the horses. And then the other one is beating him up, and he's sitting there. And he, pretty much, you can imagine, he's calling him a pussy, saying everything bad. You know, look at you, we broke you. Where, where's the big badass I thought was coming around here? And all while he's doing that, Harden now is able to hide amongst the horse uh, horses, if you will, and then produces the revolver that he purchased all the way back in jail. <laughs> shoots this guy dead, escapes on foot. Okay. So he's able to get out of there. He escapes. Now, uh, he also claims that after he had escaped that initial captor, uh, capture, if you will, that three more men will capture him during his escape. But once they realize that they had now captured the wanted John Wesley Harden, 
they were going to be entitled to a pretty significant reward. So what do you do when you have something to celebrate, Dad? You just hit the lottery. You can't cash in just yet. Yeah, You're well, out on the trail with the boys. Going to sit back and knock back a few. Yeah, they went ahead and got drunk. So the people <laughs> that just captured him got drunk. And they got a little too drunk and they passed out drunk. Oh, and no. what does John Wesley Harden do, Kahuna? What do you think? Uh, he decides it's time to make uh, a hasty retreat and exit. Yeah, he's uh, I'm going to go. But before I do, I'm going to disarm each one of you and kill you in your sleep. Or your drunken stupor, I should say. Um, I hate to ask. Go ahead. But when you say disarm, do you, <laughs> do you actually mean like disarm? Oh, no. No, oh, okay. he, he takes their weapons off. Of <laughs> okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I would off. not be surprised. <laughs> uh, he's got um, he's got a, a there's some some bloody madness to him over here. Well, he started in a knife fight. It's true. So, <laughs> that's a good question. Now, uh, again, he kills them with their own weapons, mind you. That's what we mean by disarm them. So that, that's a good edit on that one here. So uh, it's interesting because Harden will remain on the run, but he did seem to try his hand at the legitimate cowboy trade, actually being a cattle rustler and a you know, cowboy per se. And he did this with a couple of cousins of his that he met up with. And Harden was actually – he was showing some signs of being a professional with this because they made him trail boss pretty quickly. He displayed a knack for it almost immediately. And he was moving cattle up from Texas into Kansas, which is, you know, interesting. That's, that's where the cattle drives um, ended at the, at the railroad line in, in, uh, in Kansas to take the, the beef back east. But, yeah. Got to get up to Kansas. And that's why. Uh, and then also you're going to get things over to uh, um, you're going to get things over to St. Louis and you're going to get things over to Kansas City. So uh, Missouri, they're known for doing a pretty good steak. Yep, that's <laughs> it. So. Let's get me out there, guys. There's some improvs out there. Ask about me, please. If you like this show, if you like my comedy, ask about clubs. All right? I'm trying to go full time again. But anyway, uh, I make this point to make that one. He's going to go up to Kansas because that's where the cattle drive is. But you know where there's nothing up there for him? There's no heat. There's no law enforcement hunting him right. down in Kansas yet. You're going to get out of Texas for a while and just kind of maybe cool your heels in, on a cattle drive. Get lost on a cattle drive someplace. Yeah. And it's you're like with a, your cousin, so you got you got family with you. And you know? you're making money. La familia. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, of course, he's going to go up to Kansas. He's out of Texas where the trouble's not going to catch up with him. But this is John Wesley Harden we're talking about here, Dad. All right. What's a chapter in his life without assaulting one of the cattle hands with a pistol whip? You know what I mean? It's John Wesley Harden, Dad. That's what's right. it to What's it to him if he's got to kill three Mexicans in a game of three card Monty? Yeah, I don't know how you. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. He got um, angry enough that it happened. He's got, an, he's got anger management issues, for sure. But uh, you know, I guess some of the Mexicans did too, and they didn't quite take lightly to uh, losing in cards. Well, the uh, the badass. Um, there's, a, I mean, a lot of tough Mexican cowboys here, but I believe it's – and I should ask um, either uh, Rachel Torres or Lynette Palladino need to tell me how to say this word, okay? Uh, but I believe it's uh, vaqueros. 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 Yeah. Mexican vaqueros. Um, and we're probably butchering it. I'm sorry. We're just – the room is full of just a couple of dumb kids from Jersey, okay? We're very <laughs> sorry here. You've got a shop teacher, a Navy vet who tells dick jokes, and the puppet master, okay? <laughs> probably. That's a <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the fence is the mighty Gohuna. <laughs> so these vaqueros, they have really cool style, by the way. That's kind of like that old school. They almost dress like bullfighters when they're on horseback. It, it's a really cool look. You see it in a lot of the, the great old Western movies and stuff like that. 
Uh, and it's still something that's very much appreciated in Mexican culture to this day. They are the Spanish-influenced style of cowboys or cattle rustlers. Also, they're very, very, very tough dudes. And one of them managed to cross Hardin's path and fires a shot in his direction mid-cattle drive because the two cattle um, herds were mixing up into one another. And this vaquero, who had a problem with uh, John Wesley Hardin, fired a shot at him. So we all know that John's going to shoot back. Um, his pistol doesn't fire at first, but after a couple of quick MacGyver-type moves, Harden yeah. is able to shoot the vaquero in the thigh. All right? Now, can you just imagine here, you're out on the cattle trail, almost like the movie Open Range, great movie, uh, Duval Costner, great flick, um, that they're going to have an issue where now these two cattle parties, if you will, are going to have to fight each other over their property because there's no law out there to come settle this beef for them. Luckily, Cooler had settled this beef. Pun intended. Uh, yeah. I'm glad we're not uh, the only ones that spotted that one. That was good. Uh, yeah, but Beyond Kahuna Vision, high five. He's reaching out to you, sir. A lot of these cattle herds are, are trying to move up to Kansas, to the, to the railhead in, in, in uh, Kansas, to ship the, the beef elsewhere. So if you're all heading to the same point, there's a lot of emerging or melding of some of these herds. So... They meet up with this Mexican uh, trail uh, trail gang, if you will. So, uh, you know, and they're mixing it up. He fires a shot. Harden takes exception to people firing shots at him. So he goes after him. What I had read that the the weapon, the revolver that uh, Harden had was some old and uh, very loose cylinder kind of a thing. So he actually had to grab a hole of the cylinder with his left hand while he's pulling the trigger with his right hand. Turning into a thing. little tiny rifle, you know? <laughs> yeah. So um, he got the job done, though. Well, it shoots this vaquero in the thigh here. And the reason that John Wesley Harden is pissed is because this shot fired by the Mexican cowboy, the vaquero, uh, actually puts a hole in his hat. And yeah. if, uh, Freaking yeah. Mexican put a hole in my hat. My, it's my favorite hat. <laughs> That's right. My only I'm surprised hat. he wasn't low-key impressed by that, you know? Like, like in some sick way. <laughs> He's like, damn. All right. Someone got a shot on me. Well, it made an impression on him, Kahuna. Are you I'll serious? i say that much because uh, the two camps of cattle rustlers are here, are uh, the cowboys, if you will, these vaqueros and then these American cowboys. They're about to break out into a mini cattle war until luckily cooler heads prevail and a truce is declared. But John Wesley Harden is still pissed. It's my favorite hat. God damn it. It's my favorite hat. So <laughs> My only hat. <laughs> his, and it, again, and his pistol obviously has given him a hard time here. So he goes, hey, can I borrow your pistol real quick to one of the guys in his group? And he goes, sure. You're not going to, like, go kill four Mexicans with it, are you? No. No. So he borrows a pistol from another member of his party and goes off to shoot the Mexican cowboy in the head. Okay? You shoot me in the hat, I'm shooting you in the head. Kills him dead. He succeeds, but unfortunately, that will now result in the truce going to hell in a handbasket, and John Wesley Harden is in the middle of a gunfight. Now, according to Harden, <laughs> there you go. Five Mexicans are killed in this gunfight, four by him. Okay. However, confirmed sources say only three bodies were ever found. So, um, yeah, but again, Kev, you got to remember, they shot a Texan, John Wesley Harden. They shot at his hat. I mean, you don't go messing with somebody's cowboy hat. I mean, that's just that's just bad juju to be doing <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, so no. He had to go after him to save his honor as a Texan to shoot shoot me in the hat. Yeah, that one's one where it was just like uh, you know, it, it's not um, 
it would probably make a great scene in a movie, but it would not be a sympathetic scene. Because if you notice what they always do, and we'll talk about this at the very end here too, the, the guy that I picked up on a lot of, uh, and I'm sure the, the filmmaker and uh, star of uh, the, the movie we will reveal here in a minute, um, <laughs> definitely pulled a lot of things from the legend of John Wesley Harden. But they always in Hollywood have to give you some sort of a, um, it's that Han shot first thing. Hilariously enough, we have the Han Solo pistol here that, uh, that Ming bought. Yep. Um, but it's also a vibrator, too. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, but <laughs> have to talk to me about that. <laughs> but they say Han shot first in order to make it so that Han Solo doesn't look like he killed this guy first. But And it's a whole controversial story within um, uh, the Star Wars universe. Uh, John Wesley Harden did not fire first, but he did fire last. Okay, And he definitely escalated the situation after uh, cooler heads had prevailed. Now, Harden will admit to at least three more killings on this cattle drive. Two of them being Native Americans, uh, one that he shot after firing an arrow at them and another one after demanding a tax on the cattle they were bringing through territory. And then he will also actually kill another one being uh, a uh, Mexican cattle rustler who was accused of killing another trail boss on another drive. And by the way, that, that's the kind of research that John Wesley Harden's doing. He's saying, I don't need uh, – I mean, I don't need to find out or confirm these sources. I heard he killed a cattle boss over there. We're going to go settle that. Mm, sure. <laughs> so – all in all, it was a pretty great trip. But here's a fun little Game of Thrones moment for you now, folks, all right? One of my favorite things on Game of Thrones was, and they played with this very well, when two characters uh, that had different storylines would actually share the screen for the first time on the show. It was a very fun part of the show to watch for a while. Um, and here's kind of a fun moment here for you because I know, and there's a little bit of a lose reception in here too because we did mention Calamity Jane earlier who – um, she's also a bullshit artist. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the guy we're about to talk about is also a little bit of a bullshit artist. And then we've already covered that John Wesley Harden is a little bit of a bullshit artist, which is funny since they make their money with cows. But in Abilene, Texas, there's a place called the Bull's Head Tavern, Kahuna. Okay. Yeah, so the trail drive, the cattle drive is now over. And John Wesley Harden is now going back to Texas. And he ends up in Abilene, Texas. So he's making the rounds. Oh, yeah. There's a place called the Bull's Head Tavern, and it's an establishment owned by former military men and law enforcers and uh, gamblers. OK, you can be one, two or even all three. Hmm. These gentlemen's names are uh, Phil Coe and Ben Thompson. Code, I'm having a moment of doubt here. Can you Google something for me real quick? Sure. Can you Google the Bull's Head Tavern in Abilene and just confirm that it's in Texas for me? The Bull's Head Tavern. Yeah, I'm 90 percent sure. But um, anyway, this fancy little joint had a very funny little sign on it, okay? Wait a um, Bull's Head Tavern. That one's in uh, New York City. So um, search Bull's Head Tavern, John Wesley Harden. So um, interestingly enough, this place is owned by, uh, like we said, guys named Phil Coe and Ben Thompson. Their fancy little joint, like we said, had a fancy little sign on it. The Bull's Tavern, as it were, of course, would feature a giant bull on its sign. And nobody had a problem with that. <laughs> no, it's a Bull's Head Tavern. You're going to have a big bull on the side. Is it maybe There's the Bull's of... Head Saloon? Uh, it could be. Um, check that out in there. So uh, Ben Thompson and Phil Coe. All right, yeah, open that there one up. There you go. Real Life Tavern. Look for that one on there. Just confirm the, the location. There, I'm, you can I'm, see how much extensive I'll research Kansas. Loser does. Kansas, Abilene, Kansas. Yeah, Abilene, Kansas. See, okay, so this makes sense now. This is why this right. comes in here. We correct ourselves, so we did not go All back right. to Texas. Right. Quick edit on the fly here. Looking at the camera and apologize. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> you can see the extensive research we do. 
This is what minutes happens when I write minutes of research. I write on Ambien. Okay, I'm not even <laughs> sure what I'm saying half the time, folks. But anyway, they are in uh, uh, Kansas now at this Bull's Head Tavern. Now here's the key. This is what I wanted Kahuna to pay full attention for. It's called the Bull's Head Tavern, Kahuna, and the sign is a giant bull. Yeah. And everybody's cool with that. The only problem they have is the bull has a giant, massive penis, and it's erect. Wait. <laughs> what? Well, you can tell by the sign. There's a lot of people that are illiterate. They, just, they can't read Bull's Head Tavern. But if you see on the side of your building this huge painting of a bull fully erect, that's going to draw your attention. A bull? And you're not making any of this up. No. Nope. A bull with a giant heart on. Okay. I will go with this giant for the visual thing. Okay. <laughs> He's got that. Uh, it's out there. And people are complaining in the town about it. Okay. Yeah. And some of the locals. uh Take exception to the. You know, I walk my kid to school every day. There's a giant bull's dick right in my face the entire time. Can you guys do anything about that? <laughs> so the townsfolk in uh, Kansas are going to go to uh, one of their lawmen and a fellow by the name of Wild Bill Hickok. Okay. You might have heard of him, right? Oh, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. So uh, Wild Bill Hickok will order them to change the bull's penis into like, maybe, it, can we make it like a smiley face or something? You know, may, maybe it's a, I don't know, maybe it's like a balloon animal that the bull's making for the kids or something. But anyway, these they refuse, which forces Hickok's hand. Hickok will actually paint over the bull's, the, the, the drawing and painting uh, himself, okay? Yeah, it's a little uh, graffiti art. Exactly. Tag art. That's a <laughs> uh, I am the PK kid, if you guys don't know. Um, but anyway, they uh, uh, Kahuna appreciated that. Thank you. Um, now, interestingly enough, when you paint over these people's sounds, this Phil Coe guy and this Ben Thompson, they don't really like Wild Bill Hickok coming in there and telling them what to do after all. You know what I mean? They own the place. They're, they're gamblers. They're military men. These are tough guys. And they start talking up and down. And they say, ah, you know, uh, uh, they see a, a tough new kid over in town here in Kansas. And they go up to him and they say, everyone's referring to this guy as Little Arkansas. That's his nickname. Yeah, he, he, he's not going by the name of uh, John Wesley Harden at this point. Exactly. He, he so they're calling him Little Arkansas. He's got an alias. And they may or may not know they're actually dealing with uh, John Wesley Harden. That is, you know, up for some discussion here. But uh, they go ahead and they, they start mentioning out loud, ah, you know, uh, that wild Bill guy, he just picks on people from Texas. He doesn't really like us Southerners. He's a Yankee. Did you know that? They keep saying things, hoping it's going to egg on Little Arkansas. Yeah. And uh, Little Arkansas then claims out loud that uh, he goes, you want Bill dead? Why don't you go kill him? So. Ah, uh, shit. Yep. And uh, the two, Hickok and Harden, will actually strike up an uneasy friendship. Harden would surrender his guns to Wild Bill in town because that was the rule. You can't bring your guns to town, boys. You can't bring your guns into town. <laughs> so what does John Wesley Harden do when it's time for Wild Bill Hickok, a very feared and famous gunfighter already, a lawman out in Kansas? He's going to go disarm John Wesley Harden, who, again, is going by Little Arkansas at this point, and he doesn't know that he's a wanted man. But John Wesley Harden has a way of letting you know, okay? So John Wesley Harden reaches across, like we said, into his shoulders, okay, into the, his pocket vest, if you will, where his holsters are, mm. and pulls his pistols out and hands them over to Wild Bill Hickok with the butts out to him, right? And then what does he do? Because he practiced every day in the mirror, he flips them back around. All of a sudden, he's got both guns drawn on Wild Bill, on Hickok, Wild Bill Hickok before Wild Bill Hickok can say, hey, hey, hey. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's a, that's something that's been played in the movies. Uh, Again, we're, we're going to mention it right <laughs> yeah. there at the end because there's a lot of good good uh, stuff to be pulled in from here. So uh, he just wanted to show him how fast he was and let him know, hey, by the way, you know, you might be the law in town, but uh, I'm, <laughs> but I'm still the fastest. I'm, yeah, drunk. I'm still yeah. the fastest. You might have painted over a big swinging dick, but I am the fastest. <laughs> <laughs> <So. laughs> anyway, uh, Harden actually winds up having a schoolboy fascination with this famous gunfighter in Wild Bill Hickok. He's like enamored by him. He just wants to get noticed by him. That's probably why he showed off a little bit in front of him. You know what I mean? It's not, but they have an uneasy friendship here. And that's uh, kind of the subject of some debate as to whether or not this uh, went down the exact way it did. But apparently Wild Bill actually liked John Wesley Harden enough that he didn't, when he found out that he was a wanted man, he goes, you, you know, uh, I don't know if, you know, maybe keep a low profile while you're out here. You know yeah, what I mean? Kind of a mutual respect. Thing. Keep it on a down low and maybe uh, we don't have to uh, test one another. Oh, yeah. Now, Harden also claims that he could outdraw in that story where Harden's always the hero in his stories. <laughs> that's why it's always self-defense and it's always somebody that deserved it. He says that he outdrew Wild Bill Hickok. All right. So that, that's his claim to fame on this one here. And I'll also even say that uh, Wild Bill will actually help one of Harden's cousins escape from jail out of respect. Oh. Little Goodfellas action. Now, for your timeline, Dad, for your timeline, 1871. Yep. August of 1871. Harden decides not to put his newfound friendship with Hickok to the test during one of his most dastardly deeds. One drunken night of gambling and being forced to share a bedroom wall with a man who was loudly snoring, the irritable and still drunk Harden, after several verbal warnings to the gentleman to knock it off or move to your side, quit snoring. <laughs> he decides, I'm going to just shoot my gun into the wall over there and the shots will wake him up. And then maybe I can get some goddamn sleep before he, you know, while he's scared for his life. Only problem is. <laughs> it worked. Kind of. <laughs> Harden shot the man for snoring too loud and killed him. Oh, um, God. <laughs> yep. One of the shots hit him square in the heart. The man died snoring. He was not awake to learn that he had died. Yeah, okay. he's in the adjoining, in the next room. <laughs> he wakes. He's just firing shots through the wall, thinking that the noise of that gunfire is going to wake the guy up and stop his snoring. Well, unfortunately, one of the shots hit its mark. <laughs> the guy snoring. And that was, he went into the permanent uh, dirt nap. Well, now Harden has shot a man for snoring too loud and killed him, like you said. But now he's got this fear. He goes, you know, I got a friendship with Wild Bill Hickok, but I also wouldn't put it past him to just gun me down in the streets first chance he gets to say I took down John Wesley Harden, who, by the way, just killed a man for snoring. Right. So rather than let Wild Bill add him to his reputation, according to Harden, Harden would leave Kansas and never return. The next year of Harden's life would see him on the road, evading captors, and of course, in classic Harden style, more gunfights. Yeah, this is a, there's a laundry list coming up here with uh, where he goes from you here. Got anything on it? Don't let me hold you up here. No, go ahead. In September 1871, a black posse from Austin, Texas, comes after him for killing Paramore, but said that they returned sadder and wiser after he ambushed and killed three of them. So that's hard and saying, yeah, they sent some boys after me. I sent them backpacking. Then maybe they'll come try again someday. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, 1872, about 45 miles outside of Corpus Christi, Texas, after he was followed by two Mexicans, he shot one off his horse while the other quit the fight. So 
In other words, he did the, he did the skedaddle. Like yeah, this. yeah. Now he keep knew in mind, better. Yeah. Keep in mind, you don't know. By the way, you don't know if this is like Red Dead Redemption. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't know if it's like that, where it's like, hey, you're following me a little too close, or are they actually out to get him. You don't know. All right. Uh, in uh, June 19th, 1872, Harden will be involved in a gunfight in Willis, Texas. He will also wound a Texas state policeman named Sonny Spites in the arm with a Derringer pistol. Cahoons, do you know what a Derringer is, by the way? This would be a good, good thing for my father to, to teach you about. A Derringer? I'm assuming it's a brand of a, of a specific weapon? Uh, I believe so, but it's also a, a model. of. How would you describe a Derringer? Well, it's really a, a single shot or a, or a uh, two-shot mini pistol. That's something that could fit into the palm of your hand. Oh. It's a, like a vest pocket. Kind is it a, like kind a, of a weapon that uh, you know, it's it's going to be uh, only good for close quarters type of thing. It's not nothing for long range because the barrel <laughs> is so short, but it can be easily hidden. Sometimes they would call it a uh, uh, for a, for women a, a pocket purse, you know, a purse gun that you could put it into a, a woman's purse or into your vest pocket or whatever. Mm -hmm. That it can be easily hidden on your. There were boot pistols as well. There were pistols that were so small they could be kept in your belt buckle. I mean, you people oh, okay. stayed strapped out in the wild west. It goes into it, the whole concealed carry kind of a thing. That now, sure that, does. that also doesn't apply. Like, when I think of tiny guns, I think of uh, uh, Django Unchained. I thought you were about to say the noisy cricket. <laughs> <laughs> the, the scene where uh, DiCaprio's character gets killed off and... Uh, Christoph Waltz's character has the very tiny pistol that is hidden in, like, the palm of his hand. No, that's a Derringer. That's a that Derringer? That would be a Derringer. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Good, good pull. Good pull. Now, there was one of my favorite shows ever as a kid, uh, one of my favorite movies as well, but uh, the, the Magnificent Seven. Oh. Um, there was a character on there named uh, Ezra that Kerry was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. That was uh, her favorite character. And he had uh, he was a gambler, and what he would do at the table, and it, this wasn't something unique to the character. It wasn't like they invented this. This was a thing. But uh, the character would have, like, uh, almost like a draw. That um, he could spring, hit. a spring-loaded kind of a thing in his. Yes, yeah, he, he could hit down here, and then the pistol would pop out into his hand. So De Niro had that in uh, Taxi Driver as well. So um, now we learned something here, folks. Now all of this is going to lead up the to Inspector Gadget. Yeah, if you could bring up uh, real quick the Wanted poster. I just want to show this wanted poster here to everybody as well. And again, folks, if you're not enjoying the show in the visual um, uh, medium, we do just get some cool pictures up here. I try to put them up in the uh, the Instagram as well uh, whenever I promote the episodes and stuff. But the gentleman killer, here is the one we are looking for, now wanted for killing Deputy Sheriff Charles Webb of Brown County, Texas. You're about to get into that. Uh, he's, by the way, well-dressed, extremely dangerous, and always armed. This is this is Texas's 007. They're made, and by the way, it's not a bad picture of him here, too. All right? Jawlines defined, folks. Okay? Clean-cut kid. All right? He's not a bad guy. You not necessarily a license to kill, but, you know, license make do with what thrill. you got. Exactly. So uh, all of this is going to lead to what is known as the Sutton-Taylor feud. <laughs> Lawrence Patrick Burke, can you give us the skinny on the Sutton-Taylor feud and our boy John Wesley Harden? Yeah, well, that's uh, quite a quite a meaty topic, but we'll try to boil this thing down as, quick as quickly as we possibly can. <laughs> we're back in Texas, and we're in Reconstruction, Texas, so we're post-Civil War. Uh, again, um, the Union Army came in to Galveston and announced that, uh, you know, all the blacks are now free, uh, finally, and um, the immense— the Emancipation Proclamation took place, but now they're finally finding out about it. During the Civil War, there was a lot of slave owners that would take 
their um, slaves to Texas, thinking they're going to keep them out of uh, out of the war and bring them to the safety, if you will, to the to remote Texas. Now that the war is over, Texas is a complete shit show. I mean, it's the rule of the gun that you have all these various um, groups that are forming up these vigilante groups that are trying to bring some type of their their brand of law and order to it. And when I say their brand, it, a lot of it has to do with family ties. Um, now, the war's been going on for four years. The cattle are all over the place. There's no fences. There's no boundaries. There's no, um, you know, uh, stakes in the ground to mark this guy's territory, that guy's property, this guy's property. And even the cattle are unbranded. So whoever can gather up the cattle across the Texas uh, um, wayside is, is, hey, these are mine. You know, I'm going to put my brand on on these unbranded cattle and they're mine. Or Possession is nine-tenths of the right? law. So, you know, somebody, some people may call them cowboys. Other people are going to call them rustlers. So that uh, if you're stealing cattle, you're a rustler. If they're your cows, you're, you're a, the cowboy. You're mine in the herd. So, anyway, it, it's <laughs> it's— it's a, a cattle grab, if you will, and that's uh, one sign of wealth. Now, um, there's a lot of old families within within Texas that have been there for quite some time, and um, the uh, the Taylors are one of those. They they were one of the early arrivals, if you will, to Texas, um, and they've got their sides. Most everybody there were Confederates during the war. And now you've got the Union Army coming in and these um, these Northerners. I mean, you got the whole carpetbagger thing where a lot of these um, scoundrel politicians are coming in and setting up shop and, and doing the whole land grab for themselves. Um, there's black troops. Like a, a military governor of the Carolinas named... <laughs> Dan Sickles. Dan Sickles. Oh, my yeah. God. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's just a complete shit show, and you're you're going to be forming your your group, and a lot of that has to do with your family. Um, so the Suttons are fo- forming their own group by um, who's a leader by, by name of Billy Sutton, and he's backed by the law because it was actually the Texas— appointed governor at the time that formed this so-called uh, Texas state police. <laughs> they're just they're just armed mercenaries, if you will, that are, are fighting for the the, uh, the right to party. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Texas Rangers was an interesting uh, creation as well, too. I mean, and a lot of the Texas Rangers came from the core group of the Texas Rangers, which was going to be a little bit later on, came from these uh, original state police. And it was about 200 of them, but they're their own law, and they're they're riding roughshod over all the locals. And, and they have their own financial interests, if you will. So if, you know, they accuse somebody of some wrongdoing, uh, they're going to work on their own... Uh, on their own behalf, that they're going to be judge, jury, and executioner right out there on the on the plains. That um, there was one guy who was part of this whole uh, Sutton gang, if you will, because really 
They were the regulators. I mean, another movie reference. Ah. Another movie reference. Yeah. That, uh, this Billy Sutton and his regulators. There was a guy by the name of Jack Helm, who again was uh, appointed by the by the Texas governor, and he's part of this state police. Um, and you know, Jack ran into a, Jack Helm ran into a little problem because many of the people that he arrested, you know, if they were wanted dead or alive, they came back dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it, simple. It's really less paperwork when you think about it. <laughs> wanted a, dead, live optional. Saving a, saving us the state all kinds of time and money and expense that if we bring them back dead, I mean, it's it's done and over with. So they, they found some exception to that thing. And, um, you know, and meanwhile, the uh, the Taylor side of the family, they weren't, um, you know, church growing. Uh, uh, no, uh, <laughs> there's really no heroes straight, in this straight story. Narrow is kind of a thing. They were a, b- a badass bunch themselves that they're going out and they're rustling cattle and everything else. Um, this one particular guy, uh, Buck Taylor, <clears throat> back in 1866. So the war was just over. Uh, Buck has a, a run in with some um, black uh, colored troops and he shoots two of them dead. Well, you know, they took exception to that. So now he's a, he's a wanted guy. Um, you know, Billy Sutton goes after uh, some of the uh, Buck Taylor and his gang. So there's there's a whole feud that, that takes place. And it became known as the Sutton-Taylor feud. And it was the longest running and bloodiest uh, feud out of all of the feuds. When you Google family feuds in the U.S. history, uh, Sutton-Taylor feud is right up there. as, as the half is I just pictured uh, Steve Harvey walking in between the two of them. <laughs> Name me something that would make you kill a man. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the problem is the law is really on both sides because this Texas uh, Taylor family is headed by one Pitkin Taylor, but he had a brother, Creed Taylor, who later on becomes one of the Texas Rangers. He's a local sheriff where these uh, Texas state police are kind of on a, on a state level. So, I mean, it's it's just a shit show as to who's killing who, and it's it's uh, law by the feud. And, you know, there was a great line in uh, the movie uh, um, The Outlaw Josie Wales. Yeah, he finally reveals it. We've All been right. alluding to it this entire episode. Yeah, <laughs> right in the beginning of that movie when uh, um, some of the Confederates surrender, all except Josie, and then they shoot him dead. I mean, that's where they mm-hmm. take care of the Cape Terror things. And then um, the uh, the former leader of the Confederates, this guy Forrest in the movie, he said, men like whales lives by the feud. And what you did here today, I've got to kill that man. So, I mean, that, you know. I don't think he wrote know. that down. For, I think he just pulled that. I think you just remembered that. <laughs> no, I'm, men like whales, they live by the feud. And if you, that's, a, that's a feud. That's a blood feud right now. So you kill one of mine, I got to kill at least one of yours. And that whole thing went back and forth. Um, you know, there was another uh, a buck teller who shot another black reconstruction uh, soldier. Um, so there was many tailors who were wanted. Um, they set up this state police. They go after some of the help. You know, and they're, they're helping out the, their side, if you will. Um, it's just back and forth. Um, Captain Jack Helm um, 
arrests two of the Taylors. Um, they were the Kelly boys. They were they nah, were no they good. were part of the tel- they were part of the Taylor side of the feud, if you will, because they married into the Taylor clan. There just ain't no winning in this situation. Yeah, there nope. was no there was no winning with this. Um, but anyhow, um, you know some of the some of these uh, Taylor people were arrested and. They were shot in the back of the head. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, that's the way they were, they were executed. Um, the Taylors took exception to that, you know. So now finally back in uh, 18, now in 1872, an on-the-run outlaw, our own John Wesley Harden. See, he's back, folks. You thought we were on a diatribe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He joins his cousin, uh, a Clements, Menon Clements. Um, it comes back. He, a lot of good names. He joins up with his cousin. Too. So I mean, if you're if you're not a blood a blood brother relative, you're at least a cousin. And again, this whole thing is uh, is feuding. Like you got to choose sides. You're not going to be an innocent bystander and just watch the fight. Oh you gotta, man, you got to <laughs> choose a side. Which way you, you're going to go here with? And then um, Harden gets involved with this whole feud because, uh, you know, well, his cousin is there and he's he's a cattle rustler. He's an outlaw himself. So, I mean, he's in uh, he's in good company. Oh, fighting the thing I've been doing since I was nine. Oh, right. sure. Yeah, 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 I'm in. yeah, why, yeah no why, why not? Let's see. What's up with these tailors, you know? All right. So, I mean, and there's uh, uh, the Sutton uh, family allies go after some of the uh, um, Taylor, some of the tailors at, at uh Tumbleson Creek, and it's just back and forth, back and bigger forth. Bigger than, bigger and badder than the Hatfields and the McCoys. Uh, absolutely. Better branding from the Hatfields and the McCoys. <laughs> I would say that much. Okay. Um, Better publicists. I mean, you're in the, in the Wild West, where at least the Hatfields and McCoys were <laughs> back east, if you will. But anyhow, um, this whole thing goes back and forth. Uh, um, and Harden has a very much uh, an influence or a, a direct play in some of the some of the killings that the uh, that the Taylor's uh, the Taylor side committed against the uh, the Sutton side. I don't know if you want to get into that with uh, no, because we we have to obviously the the most um, I would say probably one of the most noteworthy acts of his uh, murder and career and shooting career, if you will is uh, the, the shooting of Webb. So I don't know if you wanted to get into that because that's what's going to set off the biggest bounty on his head and makes him actually make a run. Um, he's gone up to Kansas before to let things cool off, but I was pretty impressed at just how far east he came. Very, very east, but over the shooting of Webb. I don't know if you had anything on that. Yeah, well, it, there was the one, the one guy, the, the Sutton, the, the, the name that the feud, is, the, the guy that the name is, uh, na- the feud is named after. Um, Sutton decides... Hey, I've had enough of this. There's just way, way too much bloodshed. He's recently married. His wife is now pregnant. He decides that he's going to get the hell out of Texas. And while he's boarding the ship. We know where he ship, relocates to? Because it would be funny if it was yeah. a Sutton and not a Taylor that was going to Carolina in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's on board. He's actually on board ship waiting to get out of Texas with his pregnant wife and and uh, a friend and to his feel, wife to feel a pending doom at home folks. and then uh, John Wesley Harden and some of the some of the uh, some of the tailors come aboard and, and gun them down um, in front of their wives um, pretty, you know, so pretty dastardly yeah pretty dastardly deed um, so John Wesley Harden is 
most definitely a wanted guy now because this was a guy that was, you know, that's it, I quit, I'm going to retire. Well, yeah. not until you pay the price for oh. killing some of our uh, some of our kin. Some Harden of our lives by the feud. Lives by the feud, right? So um, he Harden is now a most wanted man by um, some of the some of the officials in Texas and Harden does the skedaddle and I'll let you uh, come back to uh, Harden. Uh, is that enough oh, yeah. for no, you? No, we're good to go. <laughs> we're no, good we're to good. go. And we got to wrap soon too anyway because it's just uh, I have a spot to do tonight. Uh, Larry Burke has a Yankee game to be watching. Absolutely. And also um, it, it's just not the bell works if uh, someone's you know, not playing a drum set out in the hallway. So um, now, there's going to be a $4,000 bounty on his head. And keep in mind, this is 1800s money, folks. All right? That's big, big money. That's a, that's a change of life money. It sure yeah. is. It sure is. Absolutely. And Harden's going to actually have to disappear and try to get away from the heat on this one. He'll actually make it as far east as... I'll give you one guess, Kahuna. <laughs> where does, we, where's does, a good place to escape from, Kevin? Where, where's a good place to... <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. So he escapes from Texas to Jacksonville, as opposed to me. Um, he winds up in Jacksonville, Florida. That's true. He's also winding out. Uh, he's out in like... Wait, are the, you uh, serious? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. Uh, Mobile, Alabama, all the, the, the panhandle areas, the Gulf Coast area. He winds up down there. And... Um, now, Harden is able to escape most of his captors. He'll even kill a few of them for their attempts, but he's eventually finally captured in 1877 on a train in Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, by the way, that's Panhandle. There's a Navy base out there. I've done comedy out there at a place called the Jellyfish. All right. It's there's not it, it, Pensacola is cool. There's not a lot going on out there. But he was on a train in Pensacola, and as Harden uh, is being approached by these men who are clearly there to capture him, law enforcement's you know, moving in on him. Harden goes to pull his pistols out, but they get caught in his suspenders because remember, he's got those cool <laughs> fancy. So now imagine going to do the most badass thing possible, reaching across yourself to then pull out your pistols and start blasting. And you go, stupid suspenders. Um, and as he's struggling with what well, I like to picture that part of it got caught on his own underwear and he's pulling out his boxers <laughs> in front of him. But uh, like a little um, uh, Leslie Nielsen type thing. But uh, now while he's struggling to get his pistols out, the authorities see that they, they make their move. They knock him out cold with a pistol whip, which is also one of John Wesley Harden's famous moves. So now having been tried now for the killing of Webb, Harden is sentenced to 25 years, 25 years. People, the life expectancy is not very long to begin with. Now, 25 years, uh, and he's no longer the young boy that he once was here, too. Um, and I do want to bring up real quick. Uh, I'll mention it towards the end, actually. Um, you saw the wanted poster. You saw what he looked like as a young man here. He's not a young man anymore. He will do 25 years at Huntsville Prison in Texas. There will be constant escape attempts. One that, like, he was mirrored, they said, I think it was, what, hours away from completing a tunnel that he had dug <laughs> to get out of there? He's doing Shawshank-type shit in here, okay? He's scrappy. He's a wild boy. <laughs> so He's a scrappy one. Eventually, uh, he's also, they keep adding time on for the escape attempts, and they also keep adding time on for subsequent further charges where maybe a court case does get settled, and they say, hey, we're going to tack on two years for this one because it turns out that, you know, we, we were able to get you on manslaughter for this one. Uh, now, he knows he's likely going to die behind bars. And the prison routine eventually becomes something that he adjusts to. Uh, while he's in prison, all right, <laughs> and again, Kahuna, you know this. We've already pulled out a couple of different movies. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, while he's in prison, he bettered himself. Did he really not? Got some additional book learning. If you wanted to 
again, this is, uh, what was it, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. Mm -hmm. He kept getting degrees while he was in prison. Uh, John Wesley Harden begins studying law, <laughs> okay, studying law, and then heads up the prison Sunday school. <laughs> 40 well, to 50 men he's killed. He's got that Methodist background, though. Exactly. But he's teaching Sunday school. He's back to reading the Bible and everything. And uh, also there he decides, he goes, it's time to put out my own work. Um, so he starts a podcast with his dad. Um, <laughs> um, no, John Wesley Harden is legitimately now heading up the Sunday school in the prison in Texas where he is serving what would be considered a life sentence. And again, he puts out in his autobiography where he claims at, he takes all the murders that he's actually been hit with uh, or even re remotely associated with. Then a bunch of other murders that no one has any proof on and is admitting to them, admitting to them in his own autobiography – in which he's also just making up shit that they're like, there's no way that happened. You weren't even there at this time. This is provably false. He goes, nope, it's in the book. Must have happened. That's right. I'm looking for a seller here, folks. All right. Got to be true. I read it on the Internet. Exactly. You know, uh, why I do I read it in a book? <laughs> but again, unreal. Unreal this guy's life over here. Uh, and by the way, he doesn't want you to think that he's glamorizing his life at, at all, folks. Uh, while in prison with his exaggerated details and making up brand new stories, uh, and then because of his desire to convey his Christian ideal uh, ideals being resurrected within himself, um, he's actually going to go ahead and say at the very end there, he gives a warning to the kids. Hey, this might sound pretty cool, <laughs> but it all started with drinking. And if you drink and kill people, it's not going to end good for you. <laughs> the more you know. John Wesley Harden. <laughs> now, in 1894, get this, Cahoons, Harden is released from prison. He is then pardoned. 50 murders. Oh, yeah. 50, 50 confirmed kills. Not, well, again, Not confirmed. This is oh, what he's confirmed saying. or denied. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, there's no, uh, there's, there's no penalty for bullshitting. <laughs> right. But um, he's out. He is out. He is then pardoned for some of the crimes that he uh, committed, right? And By then, who? Uh, there's, at this point, too, this is the crazy part. So as early as that first waylaying of the Union soldiers that were coming to uh, arrest him mm -hmm. uh, when he for the, the, the initial killing of the, the former slave in the wrestling match, people were already kind of on his side with some stuff. This was a rebel. If you want to convey the idea that um, the rebels were going against the federal government that was encroaching uh, upon te you know, into Texas, Texas was sitting there like, we were our own country once. Why are we sitting here taking orders from people in D.C. right now? Right. Why are these guys telling me that they're taking, you know, again, property is a human here. We already said it on the show. Yes. People should have known people. But the, the union government is saying, oh, by the way, we're taking this from you. And so there was this real feel of the, as they were squashing their rights and trying to fundamentally change the way that they were living down there, that there was like, you know, it'd be nice to see. Be nice to see somebody score one against these sons of bitches coming down here with their guns telling us what to do. Hmm. So as early as that waylaying of the Union troops that got killed with his shotgun, people in town hid the bodies. They would hide the bodies of some of the troops in like a creek, you know, my, not miles, you know, probably a decent distance away. Yeah, I think you're leaving they, out part of it, too. They tried the, to aid and abet this gentleman is what I'm saying. But, they were also black soldiers. Uh, so the, there was the major a major part. Of, there and, was a... a you know, part of the townspeople were uh, taking exception to the fact that they're sending federal troops, black federal troops, to arrest this former Confederate soldier. Like we said, I think a third of the Texas state police was black soldiers at yeah. that point. So, and it's nuts too, man. By the way, you want to talk about a shit assignment. 
<laughs> yeah, go arrest this guy. Yeah. Hey, congratulations uh, uh, on your freedom here. The only job we have is for you to go down there now and tell them what to do with a gun. <laughs> and uh, Colin Quinn always said it, that's the best, is that uh, he goes, uh, um, uh, when he was, I think it was in uh, the New York story that he was talking about why um, why black communities don't trust the system. It's because they've been screwed over by the system so much. And then what's the worst thing you can do? Take a young white kid, give him a gun and say, hey, I'm here on behalf of the system. <laughs> and you wonder why they don't get along. <laughs> but... Colin's just a genius. I'm not. But I will say this. Um, Hardin's autobiography is going to sell pretty well here, too, because throughout his entire life, this legend has been spreading about this rebel outlaw out there. And, oh, John Wesley Hardin came through town. So there's almost a, a, a reverence being held for him here. The autobiography is only going to help uh, you know, increase his legacy there. People are writing about him. You're approaching the era of dime store novels and stuff like that. Right. So also uh, in 1894, Hardin, like we said, is released from prison, then takes the bar exam and passes it. <laughs> He's got uh, credentials now. Texas's wildest gunfighter in history can now defend himself with the law instead of against it. Okay? So that is, uh, again, imagine having a, you know, oh, he's a killer. What about in the courtroom? Oh, he's pretty good. Yeah, but, but he's an actual killer in real life. <laughs> so, um, now, of course, you can't go totally straight, though. And on a bet that he could shoot a shot that would, quote, knock a Mexican off his soapbox in a a $5 bet. There's this poor Mexican fella sleeping on a soapbox. And somebody tells John Wesley Hart, and he goes, I heard you're a badass, man. You think you could shoot a shot and maybe knock him off of uh, that little soapbox that he's on? And uh, he goes, yeah, I bet you I could do that. So he shoots the shot. And this poor Mexican fellow who's just laying out on a soapbox uh, he does fall off the soapbox, so John Wesley Harden wins this $5 bet, okay? Mexican guy dies from the fall. <laughs> not even the shot? Not the, the bullet shot. doesn't hit him. The bullet <laughs> does not hit him. And it was not intended to hit him. It was to shoot him off of the, the, the soapbox. I would have never on. let that information get out. And like, he, that would have been my dying breath. Let it be known <laughs> I died from the gunshot. Yep, died from the fall off of the soapbox here. Um and of course, like we said, he can't go totally straight. That's his only thing. So he actually, um, because of the fall being what killed him, and probably his own legal acumen at this point too, uh, I believe the charge that they were trying to levy against him was a negligent homicide. Oops. Negligent. Oops. Sorry about that. That's right. Um, <laughs> My bad. Better known as oopsie side. Exactly. <laughs> oopsie side. <laughs> oopsie side. <laughs> I might. That might become part of my uh, my modern parlance. Um, welcome to the zeitgeist. So, um, if it does, I I hope so. That'd be amazing. Oh, dude. The oopsie I, side is hilarious. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, the guy winds up uh, getting out of prison over here. He's able to live life on his terms, okay? He just can't seem to stay out of trouble, though. Uh, Harden's rep as a tough gunfighter was uh, so much. And again, now the legacy is, is growing on him. Uh, Coons, could you pull up the picture of the pistol that he had real sure, quick? Sure, no problem. So uh, there's people out there that want to buy. There's actually branding. So you picture an athlete having um, uh, something, a sponsor, and you know an ad's going to be run for a product that an athlete's associated with. And in the back of your mind, you want to sit there and be like, okay, I'm just like so-and-so now. You know what I mean? Uh, for me as a kid, I remember, uh, I mean, there was a million different products that spoke to me. Was, what was something that jumped out at you as a kid? As a kid? 
or or even right now. Oh, hey, if I buy the right sneakers, I can be a, a superstar basketball player. You could. It was just the sneakers that was just holding you back. The sneakers was holding me back. So, no, I know that one. There's a bunch of stuff with that. There's a lot of. Uh, I, I bought um, supplements from Joe Rogan that made me think that I was going to uh, become a shredded <laughs> monster. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Kona's got a bunch of other stuff too that he's bought. I'm sure. Uh, and no then, comment. That's a. <laughs> I thought if I bought enough uh, Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit editions, L. McPherson would be something that would happen for me. The jury's not out yet. L, if you're listening, <laughs> you still look great. That being said, they're trying to brand now some of these things. Elgin Watch or Elgin. I'm not sure how it's actually pronounced. But that was the watch that uh, John Wesley Harden was known to carry. And that became something that they, a little bit of a selling point for them. It's like, ooh, an Elgin watch, just like John Wesley Harden carries. You know you're a badass from Texas when you have an Elgin watch. <laughs> also, if you could bring up that picture of the pistol again one more time for me, Cones. Uh, that one's uh, interesting. That is a Colt. Uh, now, it's, it's weird, too, because he had another revolver that he carried was called the Colt Lightning, which was much smaller. Uh, and then this is what they're saying is John Wesley Harden's Smith & Wesson revolver, which actually looks a lot like, um, I mean, obviously, it, it, there's different things. Colt had a, uh, a Navy revolver, which is, uh, to me, the, the sharpest looking gun ever. The, if, if you can pull up a picture of that gun, if you just Google um, Navy Colt revolver, it's if I can buy one of these one day, if we ever make enough money on this that I actually am not hemorrhaging my money <laughs> to, to try to teach you guys about history, um, I'll pull this up. But uh, Again, this is brand name attachment here for this stuff. The reputation is growing so far and so insanely uh, about the fame that John Wesley Harden is enjoying right now in his final years, if you will. Um, now, These bad boys. Yeah, that's yeah, them right there. Them. Now, that is actually. Uh, These are expensive. So, in. Uh, they are, um, if you want to get a real one made. Um, now, what's really cool, too, is that both of those pistols, they're long. They, they almost look like more uh, ridiculous. And again, Star Wars pulls off a lot of these things, too, when they talk about that. But again, picture uh, drawing two of those out of each side of you and then brandishing, you know, dual revolvers and just going like that. That is, amongst other things, taken exactly uh, from the John Wesley Harden story and kind of merged into the character of Josie Wales in Clint Eastwood's masterpiece, The Outlaw. Josie Wells. Josie Wells. Josie Wells. Not a hard man to find. <laughs> Leaves dead men wherever he goes. <laughs> so, yep. one of my all-time favorite movies, if not my favorite, I really can't decide anymore. But uh, these are all things that are, are, you know, Clint Eastwood is using because of the legends that he was being told about this guy John Wesley Harden. I'm sure. Now, again, there's some people that don't really like that legend, or people that hear the legend, they say, "Well, I bet you I'm badder than him," and uh, that enters a constable uh, in El Paso. Now he's out of uh, prison, able to live on his own terms again. Again, the boy just can't stay out of trouble. And uh, his reputation is going to be challenged as a tough gunfighter by another tough gunfighter, who again happens to be a lawman in El Paso, right. Texas. Now, where was that uh, beef in the beginning of the story, Kahuna? Where they were standing over the graves trying to figure out if we were going to relocate him or they were going to leave him? Texas. Right there in El Paso, Texas. So, right in the heart of El Paso. This salsa comes from New York City. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, what a pull. The eight people that get that. Thank you so much. Um, anyway, in summation here, though, folks, uh, it will come down to Larry Burke. Larry Burke, you tell Jeff Garlic right now. All right. <laughs> His phone that. goes off. No, it's it's all good. Hundreds of dollars of production value. Um, anyway, it comes down. Totally my bad. I apologize. No worries. It You're happens. Good. Relax, sir. Now, uh, I put that on uh, airplane, but apparently I did not. El Paso, Texas. All right. 
El Paso, Texas, after the two men had exchanged heated words over a pistol whipping that Harden had dealt out. It will come down to a game of dice. John Wesley Harden will place his bet just before Selman will walk up behind him on August 19th, 1895 and shoot Harden from behind. With the outlaw's body on the ground, Selman will now shoot him three more times. The man is dead, but the legend of Harden will only grow. He just wanted to make sure, you know. Uh, Harden's yeah. killing. Like we've, we've seen Scream. A back a, shooter, though. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing, though. This is interesting now. Harden's killer, Constable Selman, would not live to face justice for the murder of Harden. And you better believe there's a lot of people that wanted the murder of John Wesley Harden avenged because this was a little bit of a folk hero to some people. So, although even Harden had to probably admire Selman's claim of self defense even though he got shot in the back, um, okay, and then shot three more times on the ground, which, by the way, shooting somebody in the back, the uh, very same crime that started Harden's career many, many years ago after that ill-fated wrestling match. Shot in the back by Buford Tannen over a matter of $80. <laughs> and, uh, Any chance he gets, man. <laughs> you, you can't hold the Kahuna down. Nope. Uh, now, Mr. Selman would soon join John Wesley Harden in the ground, so Selman's not going to live uh, that much longer here. Because during a poker game gone wrong, it's going to lead to a gunfight with a U.S. Marshal by the name of George Scarborough. And if uh, if that's not a badass name for a U.S., if Marshal Scarborough's coming after you and just the <laughs> name alone doesn't make you think twice. Scarborough Fair? Yeah, Scarborough. <laughs> Are you? Uh, but Scarborough, is uh, he's a tough guy in his own right there, too. He winds up actually killing Selman in this gunfight. So Selman's now dead. Harden's grave, by the way, does remain in El Paso, Texas. His trademark Colt Lightning pistols and also his uh, Smith & Wesson pistols remain very popular. And in fact, his personal effects were sold off to the highest bidder. So right now we're talking about Aaron Judge's 60th home run ball and the people just going crazy trying to grab it and then giving it back to Aaron Judge, hoping that the Yankees are going to quietly take care of him on the side. These are things like oh, we're trying to buy a piece of history here. And it's, you know, mostly affluent people that are able to afford these things. But the personal effects of John Wesley Harden would make a great conversation piece for my my living room, <laughs> perhaps yeah. the sunroom, yeah. you know. It's not wrong. But it's a pretty cool one here, man. And uh, the rich man who wanted on a piece of what I would consider the Wild West's wildest man, which is, uh, I mean, there's a lot to talk about with all that, too. There's a lot of people to compare him. You really enjoyed saying that, didn't you? He is the wildest man. I would say that much on that. Now, Lawrence, Patrick, do you have anything you want to say to the good people at home before we send this one back? Well, the last time you asked me that, you told me to uh, don't add stuff at the end. Well, oh, I, I always had a little side note. No, no, I love, note. I, you're, you're busting chops appropriately. <laughs> but it is, uh, I, I never cared that you didn't add, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I've never cared, Dad, that you add stuff at the end. In fact, I want you to. <laughs> no. We all just laugh because you always say, nah. No, this was a this was a fun episode to research this because, and I actually had to uh, put down a uh, uh, almost like a scorecard with that Sutton Taylor feud because you know who's who's aligned with who and back and forth and bop it bop and you know they sign a peace accord and then you know two weeks later somebody else gets shot and the whole thing goes to goes to shit. How many times on this show would you say <sighs> we've We've said, all right, well, let's just do like a little thing. And then we're like, all right, it looks like the episode's about this now. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's not just a little side piece. It's a, it's a whole uh, whole nother episode. But, yeah, it was uh, it was a fun one. And uh, 
John Wesley Harden. I know a whole lot more about him now than I did before. But uh, yeah, he was uh, so many movie, uh, you know, uh, cliches, if you will, have come, I think, from the real life uh, events of uh, John Wesley Harden. You know, you're pretty good when, uh, you know, hundred. Uh, literally, if people are arguing over my grave 100 years from now, I made an impact. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the feeling. <laughs> right. By the way, that was 100 years after his death, Kahuna, that that issue in El Paso went down. Really? Where they were arguing about that. Hey, think of the tourist trade, though. I mean, they did want to bring him over to, I mean, because, uh, you know, uh, there's also that, that great one from, because uh, I grew up on Western movies between my grandfather and uh, this guy and uh, Uncle Paulie as well. But um, we used to watch them all. It was uh, one of my favorites was... Uh, um, the shootist with John Wayne, and at the very end, he's uh, John Wayne knows he's going to be walking over to his death. Now he's he's challenged the three baddest guys in town all to a gunfight at the same time. They need right? to kill him, though. Yep. But <laughs> <laughs> so John Wayne gets his hair cut, and um, and the barber is sitting. He goes, "Would it be all right to sell some of your hair, sir?" And he goes, "Yeah, I yeah, don't see why sure, not. Sure, why not?" And what does the guy do? He's sitting there uh, sweeping up the hair, and he sees a bunch of hair in the other corner. He goes. Yeah, why not? And just starts sweeping. So he gets a whole, it's like eight other different people's hair and he's going to sell all of it there. That's the kind of uh, legacy and, and almost, because um, we're not, we're sort of in a pre-sports era at this time. So your cultural heroes, the people that are, you know, you're looking up to your adventurers, your, your movie heroes, if you will, are coming from the dime store novels and the stories that are being told around, uh, you know, uh, the campfire or, uh, you know, the things you're hearing at the tavern or the bar or the saloon, depending on where you're at. Um, so these guys are a little bit larger than life. And John Wesley Harden, he certainly lives up to uh, the bill on that one. Yeah, and, <laughs> and people have always had a fascination with the with the outlaw. I mean, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Al Capone, I mean, all the gangsters, all the outlaws, um, all the, the badass cowboys, uh, Billy the Kid. I mean, all of that shit is, uh, has always been a fascination with uh, those living outside the law. <laughs> I mean, still to this day, we have it, like you were saying, too. Um, and uh, by the way, I think uh, Ming just texted me, and I think what's going on outside is 90s night, Kahuna. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, wow. so uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Yeah, um, if there's background noise, we apologize for that. But We'll, we'll get through on that one. That's life at, at the Universal, um, Share Universe Studios. It sure is. Yeah. Now, i got to hit the road here in a minute because I have to get up to a gig tonight. Um, but I will say this. i got some exciting stuff coming up. Uh, pay attention for me. I'll be uh, appearing on another episode of uh, Robert Kelly's uh, You Know What, Dude, which uh, we'll be recording in the city. I'm excited about that one. Um, the Giants are playing on Monday Night Football. Personally, for me, that's just exciting. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I got a couple, yeah, a couple other cool things. Uh, Friday, September 30th, I will be with the great Robert Kelly in Pennsylvania. I believe we're doing, uh, It's I think it's Jim Thorpe the first night and uh, Newtown Theater the second night. So that is uh, Friday the 30th. In Pennsylvania at uh, Mock Chunk Opera House, Jim Thorpe, PA. Okay. And then October 1st is the Newtown Theater in Newtown, Pennsylvania. One of the oldest theaters in the country. I think it might actually be the oldest theater in the country at this point, too. And it looks like you could kill Lincoln in the back of it. That's how old this place is, right? <laughs> but it's pretty great. That's going to be, uh, again, that's September 30th, October 1st. And then, folks, some exciting stuff here. Uh, I have... The 14th and the 15th. I think it's one show a night. Maybe it's two shows a night. I'll confirm. Nick's Comedy Stop in Boston. I will be headlining the entire weekend. I'm very excited about that. Earned in blood. If you know some people up in the Boston area, tell them to come check me out. If you're up in the Boston area, 
please, please, please come check me out. I want to sell some tickets, man. Yell American Loser out when they bring me up on stage. <laughs> it will con- it'll confuse everybody, and then we'll get to talk. But I love meeting people listen to the podcast. It really means a lot to me, man. Uh, Marion Flanelli, I'm not sure if you're still listening to the show or not, man, but he's the guy that started that. The, he's our German friend. Uh, and by the way, one thing I love about this is the brilliant people on this show, the brilliant people that listen to this show. There's a lot of people so much smarter than us, but they just like, oh, I find that interesting. Tell me more. And they're like, oh, this is the only thing I'm smart about. So <laughs> um, I do want to pull one thing up if I can real quick. It is a, uh, a review that was written for us. Uh, let's see here. I got a couple of them. Um, I'll tell you what, LP, anything you want to say to the people on the way out? Well, I just thought it was interesting that we started this episode with uh, two groups arguing about they want to um, move a body for the tourist uh, tourist trade. Uh, and uh, you're going to appear in uh, Jim Thorpe, Pennsylvania. Also true. And they couldn't give the body they away. Moved. <laughs> <laughs> A good, a nice, uh, a nice deep dive. Loser devotees will get that one here. Uh, this is a review I just wanted to read, Coons, because it's uh, it's important to me, and uh, uh, this is kind of cool here. Um, Let's hear it. This was uh, a recommendation for people to listen to American Loser podcast from uh, Heather Poge. Poge, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. P O J E. But Heather wrote, uh, "This is pretty great." I'm a mom with mostly grown garbage pale man boys who routinely fight with their mother over control of the listening rights in the car and around the house. My millennial tallest one found this podcast in a rare moment of compromise. I've been hooked ever since. Love the history, love the jokes, love the genuine fun and warmth with KP, his Dilf, and the other cast of characters. No New Jersey connection here, but I will say I learned a very important lesson in life. Never fuck with Teddy Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for that. You guys all know uh, we, we try to do shout outs all the time. We're actually growing so much here, man. It means a lot to me. The next week's episode will be Patreon exclusive. Dad, let's give him a teaser real quick. It's a war they've never heard about before. It's a war you never heard about fought right here in the United States because this is, after all, American loser. Goddamn and right. It's a religious war. Yes, this is a war you should know about. You're going to want to know more about. And for as little as $3 a month, okay, or just $3 that one time, just do it the one time. Sign up and bail. Yeah. I don't care. I just, want, the faith. I just need something to pay the kahuna, all right? That's right. But that being said, guys, it means a lot to us. We get to do this show every week. I love hanging out with my dad. I love the friendship, the fact that Kahuna is family to us now. Love the fact that Ming takes great care of us over here at a Shared Universe podcast studio in the Bell Works in Homedale, New Jersey. But I got to go. And that was John Wesley Harden, American Loser. An American Loser the day I was born. An American Loser the day I was born. American loser the day I was born.